Welcome to the Odds Pod. I'm Ben Hennessy. And I'm Dave Hendrick, and we're the team behind the Scout Comics title, The Odds, a story about macroeconomics in the face of agricultural and societal collapse, nudged along by winged beasts and rampaging man-cows. Each week, we invite a new guest on to share their favourite apocalypse stories with us, be it a great flood, the planet being crushed under too many SpaceX satellites, or smallpox. Anyway, we want to collaborate with Carnage, manage misadventure, and promote peril, so today's guest... To say he is in comics would be an understatement. He's an editor, he has guided many an A-list creator to deliver some of the best work of their careers. Some of the books he's worked on have included such library stalwarts as 100 Bullets, White Last Man, Sculpt, DMZ, Joker and Batman. He currently works with a select few creators, producing hit after hit with the likes of Scott Snyder and the venerable Jock. Uh, writing the, the great art of Jock for Inside Editions as well, which is a, is a fantastic book. Anyone who's listening should have it. If you haven't got it, go buy it. He is, of course, Mr. Will Dennis, and we are so happy to have him on the Odds Pod. Hey, Yay. Will. Thanks hey. for joining us. Wow, thank you. Uh, it's hey. nice. I love that intro. I actually sure, like, did something with my life. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> All those teachers who told me I wouldn't amount to anything. Yeah, man. If you want, we can say it again. Yeah, suck on that, you know. Oh, my God. Give us their names and numbers. We'll get on to them. Oh, my God. And I had a math teacher in eighth grade that I still have, like, PTSD about, you know. Really? It was great. Just Well, thank you. It was nice to be here. Was it was your math teacher super strict or, or undermining? Yeah, she was or... just like, yeah, she was just like, yeah, really like kind of discouraging and sort of stuff. Yeah. And I was like a super huge Ramones fan. Like they were like, nice. kind of the Ramones like really like changed my whole life and outlook on everything. And I had okay. a, I had so many Ramones t-shirts, which in like, you're talking early eighties, not easy to find merch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I used to wear like, so I had one, I could wear one every day without repeating it. And she nice. was at Amazing. some point was like, you wear these same shirts all the time. Do you think you'll be in this band someday? And I was like, no, I'm not an idiot. Of course I won't be in this band. <laughs> but I was like, if I can somehow find something to do with my life, that's, you know, adjacent to the sort of dopey stuff they do. It's also cool. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So I don't know. Finally, it, t- it took a while, but I finally managed to. Yeah, absolutely. So achievement you- unlocked. Who was your guy in the Ramones? Was it was it Joey? Who 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 were you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Joey was really the thing. Yeah, I'd see, my brother and I won tickets to see them on the radio, which nice. you know people probably are like, "What the radio?" So it was like 1980, <laughs> 1981. So I was like, okay. And so my brother and I went with my brother or his best friend and my best friend. Like the four of us went. Yeah. But I think the oldest. I, I mean, I wasn't like twelve or thirteen, and my brother was like maybe 11, 12, you know, like we were oh, wow. definitely not old enough to go to like a concert on our own. But yeah, up yeah. until then, you know, we've been buying disco records and like whatever, you know, sort of yacht rock seventies kind of music and stuff. Yeah, okay. And then we saw them. So it was like in 1981, saw them at this university town where I lived in. And like, we literally were like, came home and just like took all of our records, like binned them and then just like started to just, you know, first buy all the Ramones albums, but then you try to buy all the other yeah. stuff. There was no way to know what, what anything was or, you know, and so yeah. maybe the guy in the record shop will tell you, but yeah, we used to look and stuff and they were on Sire records. So then we would look for other right. records that were on Sire records, you know, cause that was like, literally there was no information. There was no internet. There was no, they weren't in magazines. Like the only magazines were like, yeah hit parader and circus and all those kind of mag- like heavy metal kind of magazines. And 
Um, yeah, so they have then you know, led you to like the Clash and the Pretenders are on Sire and then all these other bands, you know, and nice. stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, and then after that, it was just like, you know, we kind of never looked back in terms of like mainstream, you know, entertainment stuff, you know? Yeah. And that gets you into like all the horror movies. I mean, I'd already been reading comics for years at that point, but, you know, then you just turn into that sort of Ramones, like prototype, like, you know, punk rocky, skateboarding comics, you know, every bad movie yeah. you never should have seen, <laughs> seen it twice, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah, so the American uh, dream, you know, yeah, like man, the quintessential American dream. Yeah. yeah, you know, we were all in the closet about it all, of course, in those days. But, you know, right. nowadays you can be out of the closet about all your... About anything, geek, yeah. Your fandom, you know. Yeah, man, they don't know they don't know how good they have it, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a double-edged sword, though, because at the yes. same time, it was cool that no one else was into it. Right. Or that we yeah. sort of had this secret stuff or, yeah. you know, stuff that, I mean, it was literally stuff that could kind of like get you beat up. Like at school, you know, yeah. like if you were reading, I mean, if I was reading a comic on the bus to school, like you would have got your ass beat, you know? And it was just like, so there was a certain level of, it was a little like 1984 quality to like sharing all this underground stuff you know but only, only uh, to those who you trusted as well you know yeah, right. certain, yeah. it wouldn't be the whole group of mates might be one or two in there <laughs> right. you know yeah, yeah i remember the first day of high school going up to these two guys who i didn't know and they look kind of sketchy but they also they had like vintage like um army green army jackets on you know like those sort of like the secondhand like you know military surplus stuff and i remember going up and talking to them and sort of like they could be kind of rough or they could just be total like geeks and yeah, we ended up being like every Friday night we'd go and rent like, you know, blood sucking freaks and whatever other movie <laughs> nice. and then go and yeah, we were playing D and D or if we weren't doing that, we were playing poker. I always tell people it was like I was into poker like, you know, forty years before it was cool. Nice. <laughs> but it was like and D is like nerd poker, you right? know? Oh yeah. 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 Well, I was lucky because I grew up in a college town. And so the college had uh, the university, they played D and D like since the late seventies, you know, like, and it was cool. like literally just those printouts, you know, that they would just, yeah. those Xerox copies that people would just circulate. And they had like at the student union, they had like an open sort of play stuff. Like I, and they just let anybody come. So even when we were in like high school, middle school, like you could just go up on like a Friday night. And at the time it's like all these college kids let us play. But now when I think about it, it's like, they were probably only like 18 or 19, you know, they couldn't exactly. have been more than a couple yeah. of years older than us. But, um, yeah, so you would go up there and like campaign with like all these kids at the university, and um, yeah, it was, I mean that was I was pretty fortunate because otherwise, like I lived in the middle of nowhere, like in New York State, but because the university was in the town, it was a much yeah. different vibe than if you drove five minutes out of town and it was like you know dueling banjos, like Deliverance, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but the town itself was very cool and like kind of liberal and like always had an yeah. influx of students and stuff. And so and were, were your folks, uh, in, were they working in, in the university? Were they, uh, yeah, my mom, you were there or? she wasn't, yeah. she wasn't like a professor. She worked in like the human resources. Yeah. My dad was like an elementary school teacher, but he was like wickedly cool. into science fiction stuff, you know? So he, had, um, he was like a huge fan of Star Trek when it was first on and like all kinds of stuff. Like the first movie he ever took me to is they re-released um, uh, 2001, like in the early seventies, they re-released mm -hmm. it in the theaters and he took me. So I was, yeah, I mean, I was, I don't know, five or six at the most probably. 
Um, wow. He took me to see that, like the two of us. I fell asleep at some point and woke up at the end, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, he took us to Star Wars, like the opening weekend, Close nice. Encounters, like all that stuff. Yeah, I even went to, we went to opening weekend in Star Wars and I got a, it was like a movie book thing, like that they sold at the at the theater, which I've seen oh, yeah, over yeah. the years. And it's like a, like a landscape, like, like a of, program print. for the yeah it was like a program like yeah. a making of thing and wow. stuff and yeah it was really i don't know i'm sure you can collect you know whatever but yeah they were selling them in the lobby like we just you know it was basically like yeah it felt like a program like if you went to a you know like a football game or a baseball game you buy the program kind of thing yeah i don't know my brother and i both each had one i don't know what happened to them they're probably worth a fortune now but yeah, probably will be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he tells a funny story that the night that that show the prisoner which had been showing in America, like the night of the finale of the episode, my brother was born on the same night and he had oh, to wow. go to the hospital to take him to the hospital. And he literally was like, but in those days, like they didn't re-show anything and there was no, yeah, yeah. there was no video recording. There was no streaming. There was no nothing. So he literally like this quant, this more, you know, ethical dilemma of like, you know, can my wife hold on to like (laughs) (laughs) all your questions are answered about the prisoner, you know, like, like, is he number number six? Is he number one? Like what's going to end? Yeah. So he's he's like literally for years missed the finale famously of the prisoner. And then years later, my brother bought him a box set. Like they brought it out on like VHS or DVD or something. And I remember for like his birthday one year, my brother bought him like the box set and like, here, you can finally find out what happened to the prisoner. Yeah. Yeah. So I was lucky. I mean, we, you know, so it was a little bit, you know, it wasn't like it was encouraged, but it wasn't discouraged, which I think is half the yeah. battle. You know? Absolutely. So yeah, yeah. Man, like, I, it's great to find those kind of hidden gems. Like, you know, when you, when you find the shop, the stocks, this kind of thing, like uh, yeah. I, I remember, yeah. like I come from Wexford, we didn't have any comic book shops. We had like a regular news agents um, that you might have got like uh, something in every other weekend if you, if you knew what you were asking for. Right, uh, right. And I remember going up to Dublin then like and uh, being introduced the to big smoke. Bird Place. Yeah. And, yeah, being introduced to Britain Planet. I didn't know these places existed here, but there was one amazing, really secret shop, not comic book related at all. It was a music shop and it was just off Grafton Street. It's gone now. Mm-hmm. But they used to sell all kinds of CDs, cassettes, you name it of every gig ever really mm, yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. It, it was one of those moments like where my mate was a big Pearl Jam fan and uh, he would throw out the question like oh you know um, they have an album for every gig they ever do they always release something in some form or fashion and this particular shop had it Oh, wow. uh, and like you would go in and you'd have to go through these glass counters and like uh, handwritten on paper would be what's in this cassette, what's on this CD, what's on this. It was amazing. You, you find a gold mm-hmm. mine of material you 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 never knew yeah. you existed, you know. I remember well. Yeah. That, was, that was a great little spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah miss yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds pretty great. Yeah. 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 So I guess that's what I mean. Like now, you know. Like, it is kind of fun to have those stories of, like, the hunt. You know, it was always, like, the sort of connecting all these dots. Like, you were some Lovecraftian, you know, explorer that was delving into the mysteries yeah. of the universe kind of thing. You know, yeah, nowadays, yeah. It's like, I can sit there on the can on my phone and look up, you know, <laughs> like, like, oh, okay, great. I got the answer to that. That's my kid. I mean, my kids are my kids are in college, but, like, they... Yeah, you know, they're, we're always laughing. They're like the chief, like looker uppers. Like if you're having a conversation, like at dinner, and we're 
there's no more arguments anymore, right? Because of the yeah. internet, like, you know, it's just like, you'll say something and then, oh, my son will be like, oh, you know, fact checking like in real time about, you know, <laughs> stuff like, oh, actually that album came out in 1978, not 1979. I'm like, okay, thanks, Mr. Yeah. You know, factoid, you know? <laughs> the argument changes to see like, I'm not bothered getting my phone now. If maybe you right. get your phone first instead. Right. You, you, you can fact check this for me. Right. Uh, There's a lot of real time fact checking that goes on though, which it's kind of funny but yeah, yeah it, it is know. nuts isn't it yeah yeah i mean it's crazy. it happened it happened to me at dinner earlier you know my, my 15 year old you know just picked me up on something you know i was like actually dad you're wrong was it right crazy? right exactly <laughs> there is a yeah. lot of well actually you know but yeah I, don't, I guess i'd rather they were doing it at the kitchen table than on reddit or something so you know true <laughs> true yeah but i mean what happens like <laughs> you know it's been it's been a while since i've been in a bar but you know what happens in bars these days do people like bullshit each other in pubs the way they used to or is everyone just going no you're wrong <laughs> you know? like, yeah that's true i know all the, the endless sports arguments and all this stuff yeah. like that you know uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, it, it definitely. I don't even know what we. I haven't been. Yeah, I mean, I've been in some bars since like COVID, but yeah, I don't know yeah. what the hell we talk about. You know, maybe there's no more but, bar fights, and everyone's just bar friends now. You know, <laughs> kind of, I don't know. Yeah, nah, probably not. No, definitely not. Uh, I'm far too often. Bar friends. <laughs> yeah. sounds, sounds like sounds like an adult, an adult My Little Pony or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. want to be bar be friends. My bar friend. <laughs> that's kind of nice i like it <laughs> okay well look mo moving things along everybody who mm -hmm. yeah, comes yeah. on the uh the odds pod is is asked one big question and, and now it's time to ask will dennis what's your favorite apocalypse <laughs> well i know this was a tricky one because I, I was thinking it too literally so i was like i said like apocalypse now has anyone done apocalypse now and you guys were like nobody no <laughs> And then you're like, no, but there's certain people have done all these other elaborate apocalypses. I was like, well, I guess I'm more of a, a literal, you know, hmm. thinker. Maybe I'm just shallow. But yeah, I was like, oh, apocalypse now was the first thing I thought of. I, I think it's a great call. and It's one of my all-time favorites. And mm -hmm. when I when I was first running into storyboarding, that this was the first film I broke down panel by panel mm -hmm. just, just to kind of study it. Like, I think it's a great show. I love this film. I can't get enough of it. And it's oh, one of those yeah. things like when you said, you were going to cover this. I had to corner out some time outside of work because this isn't the film I can leave on while I'm working because I, yeah, I, yeah, I have yeah. to sit there and watch it. It's It just gets my attention uh, 100%. It's a brilliant film. Yeah, yeah I had to rewatch it too. And then I'm like, well, which version do you watch? Yeah. There's all these That's different it. versions now. I think I ended up with the Redux one, but I think there's one actually more recent than that too, right? Like a Final Cut one or something yeah, somewhere. Yeah, that land somewhere before the, between the Redux and the original one, you know, in yeah. terms of length and stuff. But I, 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 I caught yeah. that one recently. Yeah. And it's, oh, yeah. Um, it's, I think it's a better length than Redux. It's just, it's only like, I think there's only like 10 minutes or something in it between yeah, two, but it just feels, right. Right. feels like it moves a bit better. I was really mm -hmm. surprised they left the entire. French thing in they left the, mm -hmm. the, yeah they because I I always thought you know if anything could be cut down it's probably that stuff you know yeah but, um, yeah that, that that seems to be the scene that's like kind of you know most hotly debated or whatever but I don't know watching it again like I find it kind of I like that scene from the standpoint of like you, you know you start to feel as you as he goes through the thing like obviously things start to get crazier but they sort of get crazier in like a very 
like in a real realistic way get crazier you know like mm-hmm. the, the stakes mm-hmm. get higher the scenes get like wilder yeah you know from the stuff but like by the time you get to that french one like that to me really feels like it, it's that weird line between you know like in greek mythology where it's like you can go to the underworld but you can come back and you're sort of like you know you're like are they all ghosts like are they all phantoms mm-hmm. i mean yeah. I, you know like there's something even the way some of those scenes are shot and stuff where they're just there's like an ethereal quality to them that you know, just yeah. feel like you feel like when they leave there is it like brigadoon does it just like disappear like they're only there like kind of as this representation of I, mean, I don't know colonialism or whatever the hell yeah. it is you know and it's like by that point like you really feel like i start to trip over into this you know this more like he's crossed some river sticks at some point and now there's this like almost like a supernatural quality to it you know yeah. which I, yeah. I, I don't know that's when i when i watch it the scene in that context or thinking along those lines i it seems less you know kind of out of left field you know in that yeah. respect yeah. um but I don't know. Maybe that's just like, no. Yeah, I think you're right on the money. Play, they they know? actually use um, Odysseus's um, the the Odyssey, I guess, as a reference for this. Like, and I know they use Kilgore as um, I forget the name now, but the Cyclops in it mm-hmm. in in the original Polythemus. So another way, they just had to trick Polythemus because they couldn't beat him. So they used them. Um, uh, Captain Willard, isn't it? Who uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he tries to trick Kilgore like Odysseus tricked Polythemus. You know. Uh, so I can't get this guy to do a mission that's given to him by the military, but I can get him to go somewhere where he might like to surf, you know, that yeah, kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that, that, well, yeah, that plays I mean, out the, through it. The boat's called like the Erebus, which is Erebus is like the Greek god of like total darkness or something. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's all the references to the Joseph Conrad part of darkness, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Like even the business of, apparently there I was reading something about the, the original name of the, the Kurtz character was something else or Brando wanted him to change it to something else oh, yeah. or something Lee, like that. Lee. Lee, Lee or something. Lee, Lee. He wanted to yeah, send like the even, wind or something. Yeah. yeah. And then they even have to overdub <laughs> like that first scene, like with the Harrison Ford scene, because they were using it in that scene. Oh, no and way. Then when he, yeah. And then when they finally go back and they they convince him like the, that Kurtz is like the, you know, more like, you know, on the money kind of name for the guy. Yeah. I guess the, I don't know. It's, I was seeing that in something and they're saying that there was a, they had to overdub like some of the um like the Harrison Ford bits and stuff like that. You know, when they mentioned his name originally, they had the reason something you know the Laley or Leahy or whatever it is. You know, because yeah, I, I remember seeing it early on. It was one of those moments where I was breaking down the panels and I could see on the brief, the mission brief they give um yeah Martin Sheen's character and and it says like <clears> on <throat> on his badge on his uniform mm-hmm. Lee Captain mm-hmm. Robert yeah, yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I didn't know they went as far as using the name though. That's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of weird stuff because they shot it like in what '76 or something, right? So like Harrison Ford, and they said Harrison Ford's name is like G. G. Um, Lucas, Lucas, like it says on his thing, right? Which was some homage to George Lucas, but only because he'd been in American Graffiti, like kind of, you know, like he hadn't, like he shot it before Star Wars, like or mm-hmm. simultaneous to doing Star Wars, but it didn't come out till three, you know, because it took him three years to edit yeah. it, you know. And what a hell um, of a film to to. Like- <laughs> Your time working on Jesus. I know. Yeah, I can't imagine. Like you said, I mean, even like those opening bits and stuff, like you know, just the overlaying of like the images and all the things. I mean, it really must have been like a hell of a lot of work to kind of get that, um, you know, to have it make sense and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, but 
Um, it sounds so wasteful as well. I mean, they, they seem to shoot every possible yeah. thing they could do, and you, you yeah. can only use so much of it. You know, as a as an animation storyboarder, we can't function like that because you'll cost everyone millions of euros and. Uh, right, it costs to studio too much time. You, you need to have everything pre-planned in the storyboard before you go into production. So that's where your editing is done. So to hear it in live action how they can kind of go in and not have a board or or, or, a, or plan for how they're going to shoot this and kind of figure it out as they go along is is crazy to me. And then to yeah. hear how how explorative they were with the camera and and the editing sounds like they just had so much material to uh, to shoot. I I don't know why they shoot half, half of what they did, but very happy they did. It's a hell of a film. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was just like the point i mean he had that kind of stroke in hollywood at the time and you know it was just a different world you know i mean it's even all those scenes at the beginning that sheen just like kind of you know said like turn on the camera and i'm gonna do all this you know like punch in the mirror and all this mind stuff and yeah and he was out struggling with the drinking at the time and right then he have a heart attack and yeah because i think it's his it's his brother that actually does most of the voiceover it's like, <laughs> it didn't it's, know that they, either. Or the, yeah, or they had to come back and get his brother, like Joe Estevez or whatever, I think his name is or something was, they had to get him to do a lot of the overdubs because, you know, of the voiceover thing, you know, because Sheen yeah. was like, so out of it, I think by the time they went back and realized they needed to co- cover some of it with this thing. Well, but um, yeah, it's kind of, I mean, it's interesting because I was watching it again, <clears> this, you know, this is, I watched it in the last week to kind of get ready for yeah. this and, it, with the with the voiceover, like it has, it really took. It struck me finally that it had sort of a like a noir, like crime vibe mm-hmm. to it, which I hadn't really felt before. Um, yeah. But I was reading up on stuff and read, you know, because it's like Joseph Conrad wrote the book, but then he also wrote that book, The Secret Agent, which was yeah. kind of the prototype, you know, spy, almost like detective, you know, modern kind of detective thriller kind of thing, cool. and. Um, yeah, and it got me thinking as I was watching it with this voiceover because the voiceover is really written in that kind of arch way that a lot of kind of noir, you know, sort of Chandler ass voiceover is written. Yeah. You know, just and it, yeah, it was kind of as you watch it and it sort of unfolds like a detective almost. Because even in all the scenes with all the mayhem and stuff goes on, they're constantly cutting back to Sheen, like just looking like stone faced, like kind of through the whole yeah. thing, you know, like even the scene with Kilgore and the you know, like the attack on the village towards the beginning. I mean, he's looking mm-hmm. a little shocked at certain moments, but most of the time he's pretty flatline, you know, yeah. but in the way that like often a lot of those kind of hard boiled detectives are always like, don't give you an inch of anything, you know, in terms of reactions to anything, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of like just sort of a way, a movie that you've watched a million times to kind of watch it in the context of like thinking about it in the terms of more like tropes of, like a detective noir thing, crime thing, and less of a, you know, war thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a very passive character too, isn't he? Like he doesn't really interact with stuff. He kind of reminds me of the buddy right. character in, in computer games. So like if you were mm-hmm. playing a character, you'd have the buddy character mm-hmm. and the buddy character would be asking all the questions that you, the player, would be mm-hmm. needing to know, you know, but because you're playing the guy, he's not going to ask the questions. He has to be the hero. But he, I, I, he just seems I think to be he's a man around him. He's a man at the end of his rope at the start, isn't he? And then, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. And then, but you know, and it's only he's only getting back to whatever constitutes reality for him mm-hmm. by the time they're on the river, and then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it goes sideways there. And and you like 
I, I hadn't thought of that that kind of detective thing, but that makes a hell of a lot of sense because yeah. he's he is hard bitten. He's been through it all. He's PTSD. Mm-hmm. The, the wazoo and. And then he's then he's back at it, and he doesn't want to do it. It's like you know, right, you take right. one more job, you know, and he, you know, right. he doesn't want to do it. And then, and it's only when the the young guy is killed that he kind of that we get a reaction, you know. Mm-hmm. And right. that's such a cop detective trope as well, like yeah, when the partner yeah. goes down, or you know. Um, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, cause even at the beginning, like when they show up to give him the assignment, he thinks mm-hmm. they're there to like arrest him. He says, yeah, that's about, right. yeah. like I'll go with you quietly do? or something. And they're, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And you're kind of like, Oh, you know, yeah. It's it's like, as the stuff gets worse and worse, like he actually is getting his sort of sanity back in a lot of ways, hmm. which is, you know, an interesting way to sort of do that, like kind of hero quest, you know, sort of thing that like the more the shit sort of hits the fan, like the more he seems to kind of be regaining some part of himself until it gets yeah. to like a breaking point. And then it, you know, things really start to spiral after that. But um, yeah, you, you think they get pretty deep when you meet Kilgore and just what the hell is going on with these guys? But right. the further up the river, they go, they go up the river, don't they? they yeah. Further up the yeah, river, yeah, they go yeah. like, uh, like it so just I, gets yeah. batshit crazy. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. It's way worse. And you kind of realize, I want them to go back the to hell? Kilgore. Those guys are way nicer. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you suddenly realize, yeah, I mean, that is the thing. The further up you go, like, just, you know, I mean, and I, and I don't know, you know, you don't know how much of this is reality or how much of it, or, you know, it's just this represent, but like a movie that, I mean, particularly at the time, because I mean, I don't know, you guys are like younger or whatever, but like, like in my childhood, like the Vietnam War was such a big, deal right like you know i mean it was just and, and even coming out of it like into the mid 70s and stuff like that like it, it's so you know it's only a couple of years after like it ended you know that mm-hmm. they even started this and it's kind of to think about doing a movie that sort of is so like this level like within you know two years of like the you know finally like americans getting out of vietnam and stuff and um, yeah. it's kind of, you know, it's kind of amazing that they had enough time to even kind of process the, I mean, the award had been going on for so long, sadly that they, yeah. you know, whatever, but yeah, I mean, just the representation of the kind of like just the insanity of it and the immorality of it and just the sort of dehumanizing of it is just like, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I can't think of too many with all the war movies and, you know, even recent ones like 1917, other ones that are, you know, incredible movies, but mm-hmm. I know, this one just like, like, it's just so crazy that you just, it, I mean, you sort of feel like this must be some representation of just how it must feel to be there. Like, what the hell, like, what are we doing here? Like, why, you know, like what, you know, I mean, they said even in the bit where, where they have the cookout after they blow up the village and he yeah, says yeah. something about like, the more we tried to represent, the more he tried to replicate like home, the, the further away we felt from it, you know, yeah. that it's, it's just more, this, yeah. The, the yeah. sense of like, you can't recreate like this kind of quiet, you know, civilization on the other half of the world, like in the midst of all this insanity that, you know, we're, cre- we've created essentially, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's definitely, um, it's, de- it's definitely pretty, um, you know, I still watching it. It's, it's such a visceral, you know, film, like, you know, yeah. like your reactions to it feels so much more visceral to me than sort of intellectual, like while you're yeah. watching it, you know? 
Yeah. Like, there's there's yeah. so many of those scenes that I think are way longer, way longer because they, they kind of stay mm-hmm. with me after seeing them. And then I go back to watch them again. I, I realize like Kilgore is only on it for like 10 minutes or something. He's, he's not yeah, there for a yeah. lot of period of time. Roach is barely on it for five minutes. Right. Like, right. and that bit, that bit just freaked me out when, it, when I first saw it. And it, it's when I went to go see it the second time, I, I couldn't believe just how short that sequence was because there's a sequence mm-hmm. where a bunch of guys are are shooting kind of trap shoulders in a in a tunnel and uh, it's it's pretty rough, but like mm-hmm. uh, it gets bleaker and bleaker as I go up the river. I think that's one of the most bleakest points, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. He's just asking guys like, who's in control here? And uh, Yeah, right. Yeah, right. He goes, do you know who's in control? Bridge. Yeah, yeah, right, God, yeah right. it's rough. Who's your yeah. CEO? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But it, there, right. there is that thing where it, you know, it kind of there's a the river is obviously a massive metaphor for you know mm-hmm. where your descent, your whatever, where where you're going. But it does seem like every step of the way there's a there's a a sacrifice by by you know Martin Sheen's character that he's he's nearly given himself back to the war. It's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, he, yeah. and to, to reach his humanity, he's got to do that because that's all he is now. He's a soldier. That's bottom mm-hmm. line. He's nothing else, you know. So he, even though he either wanted to be arrested or wanted to be taken away from it all, that's not where he belongs. He belongs in the shit, you know. Mm-hmm. And and it's like, it's one of the fattest realizations I had about it, which is just, you know, yeah, this this is this guy now, you know, and he's never going to be able for, you know, society as such yeah. or, or civilization, if you want to, if you want to call it that, you know? Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, and I was, I guess that's sort of the, so many, but you know, full metal jacket sort of has that same vibe at the end with like jokers, just like, you know, whatever that funny, charming, you know, smart, writer dude that was at the beginning like he's just yeah. you know yeah. he's gone you know or if he's not gone he's overlaid with this other like war machine that sort of you know i mean and i guess that's what it takes to do it but you know it's it is kind of amazing that people you know are able to kind of capture that or at least some vi- version of that you know um yeah. you know and of course you know sadly we've never seem to learn our lessons from these things but <laughs> no, but that's Maybe kind of the point of the film too, isn't it? Because like right, Willard, right, Willard just right. goes on to do it more or again. It's not like he really right. picks out something or learns a lesson from this. I think he says at the start, when you're there, you dream about being here. And, and when mm. I'm here, all I want is that next mission, you know, and for right. his sins, he gets right. his next mission, he says. But then like, right. he just seems to go about that mission. And in a way, he's doing what Kurt's is being bla- uh, called out for doing, but he's doing mm-hmm. it for the other guys, right? He, this guy is essentially Kurtz, but maybe he's a, a few months behind him in terms of his progression of, mm-hmm. of how insane he can really go. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's dark because he doesn't come out of this a, a hero. He doesn't come out like having learned something that's going to make him go back into society in some good way. He just, does he keep going? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I like the fact that the, I mean, that is a good thing with like the longer form narrative part of it that it's like, you know, unless sort of, unless you know, adapt pans like the end. They get there and there'd be the scene, and then they, you know, you kind of wrap it up. I mean, I like the fact that when they get to the, you know, Kurtz's thing towards the end, they, you know, that like those scenes kind of, it gets kind of languid almost at that point. You yeah. know, like they're there yeah. and they're 
talking and he's kind of like reflecting on the whole thing. And yeah, because you definitely have a moment where you don't know, is he going to go through with it? Like, is he going to follow, yeah. you know, like, and then you sort of feel like he's even thinking like, why would I like, what is the point? Like why, you know, like, why would I like execute this guy? You know, sort of like, is he, he's any crazier than anybody else in this, this place is, you know, but then it's kind of like, you know, again, it's like, well, this is sort of what he's been programmed to do. And it's like what he's good at doing. And, you know, but yeah, then what, what, what happens next to him? You know, I mean, I don't know. I'd be curious. I mean, I'm glad we don't get to find out probably from a standpoint of, you know, apocalypse two or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah i don't you think know. he'd sign on to watch it anyway after hearing how he got on the first one <laughs> or anyone would <laughs> right yeah i mean they yeah. have that you know the famous like documentary that that heart heart of darkness oh, right that's like yeah, a documentary yeah. about the yeah. making of it i mean it's just bananas you know i mean oh, it's so perfectly brutal. 70s though you know like I, I do feel like if i had a time even having lived through the 70s but being a kid which was great, you know, but I would love to go back to the seventies. Like there's just certain eras that like shit was happening, you know, like so much weird stuff was happening and there were so many cool things happening with music and movies mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever, like it just, there are those certain like moments in time when things are just kind of coalescing, you know. And as much of a fun. classic as apocalypse now is just on on your point there is that it feels incredibly experimental as well for a yeah, big yeah. studio movie it yeah. still feels like there's a bit of punk rock about it you know and yeah. even that scene on the beach where Coppola is in it and he's filming he's like when the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like just <laughs> yeah. keep going just you know right it's like that <laughs> right. kind of stuff that's i love that there you know, is a, just... yeah that moment like sheen looks at him with his look of just like what the hell you know like the yeah. look on his face in that bit is perfect where he's just like of all the shit that's happening like the craziest thing in his mind is that these guys are there saying like just go through just act like you're a soldier <laughs> like, <laughs> pretend you're a soldier he's literally saying stuff like yeah like you know the equivalent of like pretend you're a soldier and he's looking at him like are you fucking kidding me with this you know i have yeah, to wonder I mean, did they yeah, did they yeah. tell him he was going to do that and that was a, an actual reaction from Martin yeah, Sheen? I, don't know, you know, like, I wonder that's a good yeah. question that's a great question it, yeah who knows but like you said it was very experimental it was very you know all these guys doing stuff because you know, Lucas and him and Spielberg mm -hmm. and they're all like kicking stuff back and forth. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, I like that aspect of it. I mean, it's sort of even like in my own career in comics, it's always felt like, you know, I, I decided at a certain point, like you really wanted to be this kind of, I don't know what the word is. Impresario sounds really ridiculously self inflating, but it's <laughs> like the idea of like getting, all these people together and just like letting them yeah. sort of do what they do and then sort of see what happens, you know, or creating yeah. an environment where they can do stuff. And even if you're not always involved in doing this stuff, like it's fine with me that, you know, if Jock and Scott want to go do Batman, well, it's like, I have a small piece of it because, you know, I've got Jock in and my assistant Mark Doyle got Scott in and I helped them get that book done. And then they meet each other because they're hanging out with me and everybody. And it's like, yeah, I made like a conscious decision like early in my career that like I want to be at the sort of center of this web of people, you know, and like cool. have a have a crew of people that, you know, I'm always kind of working with or it's, it's almost like a theater troupe or something, you know, but it's kind of like if they can then can make that connection with someone else and, you know, mm -hmm. like at some point, a lot of these roads like lead back to me, which, you know, sounds very egotistical and I'm sure it is. I mean, it is 
certainly part of it was like my ego, you know, feeling like, you know, I, I don't need to be like the star of the show, but I like, you know, my ego likes the fact that I'm like, you know, a small part of, you know, putting the show on kind of thing. You know, yeah. Yeah. What of, I mean, yeah. Who so, isn't it? Yeah. Like, like, like show me, show me the director that doesn't have an ego, you know, like, yeah, I'll, right, I'll right, show you some right. shit films, you know, you have to have a point of view. And I think you have to have that belief in, in your ability and in yourself as well to, to, to pull these things off. And yeah, man, you, you pull them off, you know, sure yeah. 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 well, that, yeah, yeah, thank you. I mean, that was always the thing. I mean, in vertigo people would ask like, you know, Oh, they pitch your stuff and, you know, they're like, oh, what are you looking for? My line was always like, well, I don't know it, but I know it when I see it, you know, which isn't very helpful to aspiring creators always, you know, but it was like, even you said, you said point of view, like that was always a big thing. It was like, you know, it needs to have a point of view. It needs to have some, it doesn't have to have social relevancy, like in sort of it's, you know, it's woke or it's got a big message or, you know, that kind of stuff. But it's like, yeah, yeah. if there's some relevance to it, like that, that, you know, works on a certain level, but it's, you know, it was just sort of, you know, you get a pitch like for the losers and it's like, well, it could have just been a kind of international, you know, heist gang spy kind of fun, rompy, you know, fast and furious, but you know, Andy Diggle and I and Jack, you know, we had long talks about, you know, because of the time that he started developing that and it was like right during the Iraq war and after nine 11 and you know, all that stuff. And it was like, what are the layers that we can put on this that are going to make it like a vertigo quote unquote book, you know? Right. And some of that was our own feeling of like, well, this is what it's going to take to get approved because it was difficult to get stuff approved. You know, it had to really be pretty tight, you know, but and beyond yeah. that, it was definitely like, you know, I, I'd gotten a hundred pitches that were, you know, reboots of, you know, whatever you take the, you know, take your pick. Was it suicide squad? Was it this, was it that, you know? But it was like, yeah. this was the first time where somebody really came with something that had all the trappings of that, but then also had these other layers of like dealing with like international politics and sort of our like imperialist tendencies and, you know, a lot of yeah. the sort of duplicity of like the intelligence agencies and, you know, a lot. I mean, he was reading like just so much, you know, we we're sending him all this like Alex Coburn, like all the stuff about like the U.S. running all the drugs out of Southeast Asia in the 60s yeah. and you know, testing drugs on soldiers and yeah, all that stuff. And just, yeah. you know, just like loads of all that, you know, at the time, you know, just to kind of inform it and make it something that, you know, but I feel like that's the, re you know, you can still pick up those books like 20 years later and like there's a yeah. level of like quality to them and, you yeah. know, they're entertaining. Like I always wanted my just books to be entertaining. Them back there. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. They put out all these great volumes, which of course I don't yep. get. Like, you know, these, 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 uh, um, I saw there was like these hundred bullets, like big, you know, hard cover, oh, yeah. like omnibus things or something. And, um, yeah. you know, I am not, they took me, I think after Batman dam, they took me off the accomplice from DC after I snuck in Batman's penis, but you know, <laughs> that was, that was what my, an that issue. Was my, that was my hurrah, my last hurrah. Working for the, the I forgot about office. that. The back oh cock. Yeah, yeah. You're the only yeah. one who did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. I mean, that was that was insane. But it, yeah, that was the point where you realize that, like, you just. I mean, I was doing that freelance because I already yeah. left in twenty. You know, but it was just like, yeah, that, it, got, it was like gone then, was it? Uh, no. I mean, Doyle had taken no. it over. Um, right. You know, they. I mean, they were in California, but like yeah. Shelley had 
Shelly had moved it out there, Shelly Bond, and mm-hmm. then yeah. they disposed of her, like, you know, they disposed of everybody else at some point. Yeah. And then Doyle took it over. Um, yeah, because I don't know, all that black label stuff, like, you know, I had worked that all up as a pitch to DC, like right after Diane and Jeff and all them took over, because we yeah. had done that yeah. Joker hardcover. And mm-hmm. for years it said like, you know, you should, guys should be doing like a whole bunch of these. And we called it like mm-hmm. the Joker verse is like what we call this sort of like myself internally. And yeah, at some point I did a whole huge deck of all of the stuff, like right after those guys took over saying like, this would be the, the, the blueprint for what you mm-hmm. would do, you know, to get all these people in. And Shelly was the one who came up with the black label was like her idea for oh, the name. Cool. But, yeah. um, nice. I was calling it like the Joker verse, but yeah, I did this huge dog and pony like deck with all of the titles that we had and all of the, you know, potential ideas for stuff. And you get, you know, well, Garth Ennis hates superheroes, he says, but he also says he has a Superman story he wants to tell. So it's like, okay, great. That's the one for Superman, you know, that kind of stuff. It was mm-hmm. a whole huge thing. And it was just like, the worst day, like I gave this huge pitch and it was just like crickets chirping. Like, you know, they were oh, just looking man. at me like, <laughs> well, the people in New York were really excited about it. The deal and that yeah. they could see the dollar signs because I mean, Joker had been out then four or five years at least. And it was still in yeah. hardcover because that came out in 2008 yeah. and it was still mm-hmm. in hardcover, like five or six years later. I mean, they were just printing money on that book, you know? Mm-hmm. So we were just like, why aren't there a whole line of these books? Yeah. Obviously there's an appetite for it, you know? But um, yeah, it just, I don't know. Well, we have plans for these characters and we're not sure, but you know, they got it. I mean, finally they got around to it, but so yeah, then I almost torpedoed the whole thing. Maybe, maybe Freudian slip of like putting me in charge of it. But when they, slip Batman's penis into it. Like that was almost the, that was almost the end of black label. Like it was like stillborn, you know, it was like the first yeah, thing. I said, maybe don't put me in charge of it. I've got a, I've got an ax to grind with this whole place, you know? Yeah. 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 So, I, I don't think anyway. I've ever seen so many, so many articles on comic sites about, you know, well, you know, the French are cool with it, you know, and, <laughs> right, and exactly. there's, there's, there's cocks all over French, <laughs> French comics, you know? Uh, I, mean, I mean, it's, just, I mean, anybody knows me it's like everybody saw it i mean i don't do anything there's there's an editorial approach of like flying everything under the radar as long as you can and then Mm -hmm. oh my god we have to do you know there's a lot of shitty editors that do that kind of crap you know where it's like they don't tell anybody they don't ask anybody they try to hide it and then oh they hope that maybe just the inertia of the whole thing will get it done you know but yeah i was just never like played those kind of games it was like i you know i would just so yeah, we were showing all the pages to everybody up and down the food chain yeah. as they came in and everybody loved it because it's Bermejo's yeah. art and stuff looks yeah. amazing, you know, and it was just sort of like, yeah, nobody, you know, <laughs> I was on the plane to Thought Bubble the, the day it came out and I got off the plane and my phone was like so full of messages that I was like, you know, and I'd flown all night. I got up the next morning, you know, I'd arrived the next morning and my phone, I was like, oh my God, like someone had died, right? Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then Chip Mosier, who was running Comixology at the time, was yeah. there, and he did the same thing. And he was taking all this incoming fire because they were saying that Comixology's editing, because that's how everybody found out about it, was that Comixology, like, blacked it out, you know? But they didn't really right. know because they just got a file from DC saying, oh, can you update this? file on the server you know which is how they work really you know they they're not in the business of uh, you know editorializing on what they're doing they're literally just putting it up you know and yeah they he's getting this all this shit like saying 
oh, Chip Mosier and the comicsology are, you know, they're prudes. They don't want to put this stuff out, but he's like, comes to me. He's like, what the hell is this? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know? And I had to go back and look at it. Welcome to Thought Bubble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I had to go back and look and like, I'm trying to get the files on my phone and we're getting calls and I'm like, I don't, you know, and Brian, I'm calling like Brian Bermejo's at the show and yeah. he's despondent because like, he's there to kind of sign books and it's like this big, it's finally out. And instead he spent the whole weekend like, Oh, could you draw me a penis like on that page? <laughs> oh, you know? He was ready to just like get, get on the next plane home. And it was just like, yeah, that was his personal like oh, apocalypse now, you know, it was Jesus. just like, yeah. <laughs> like every kid who came up with a copy, you know, and of course then the copies are immediately scarce because everybody's yeah. like, yeah. knows they're going they had copies with it in it and then they knew they were going to pulp them you know i mean they literally are sending out stuff to people like oh could you return the copies you have like yeah right we're going to return the copies we have you know like yeah. or destroy them you know like it was just like they used to always do that we used to just laugh like you know when they sent they would destroy them no they send out a thing asking people like retailers yeah. like oh you know if you can't return them could you please destroy whatever copies you have and we'll, you know, reimburse you. Yeah. yeah. It happened with the Frank Miller, that time when they put all the swear words in the, the Robin, Batman and Robin or whatever. Oh yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Remember they, 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 I don't know. They had done a whole thing where they like the whole thing was cursing and then they like, um, put oh, black bars over yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause they, they didn't use like a hundred percent, like, you know, K on the black, you could see through them. And read yeah. what it said. Like, why there was anything even in the boxes to this day, I don't understand. Like, because what's the point? But yeah, that was another one where, like, oh, we'd like you to destroy these things where it says, you know, fuck Robin or whatever it is. You know, you're just like, yeah, oh, yeah. boy. Uh, Frank was probably just working a few issues out in the, in the yeah. scripts, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. <laughs> So anyway, I, sorry, I got us off the topic. I, I took us. No, that was, that was cool, man. Huh? This, this is what we, we're we, about, you know. We got off the we got off the boat. You guys said never get off the boat right at the top, and it's you know, <laughs> good. Unless us. unless you want to go all the way. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I think Batik is all the way. This is, right, that is. Me. <laughs> I got. I literally got off the boat that day, and I've never gotten back on. You know. Well, you can. You can't get on the boat again, right? Um, That's I know it, they man. don't. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Which is too bad because I mean, you know, I love working at DC. I love my job at Vertigo. I would to this day, I would be yeah. the happiest warrior they had if they didn't, you know, if we hadn't moved out there. But I think I was yeah, the first huh. person who said that I wasn't moving. You know, like I mm -hmm. like came in and just slammed my thing on the desk and said I was leaving. But it, yeah, it was tough, man. I, you know, it's like yeah. quitting a job like that. You just yeah. like, but you could see imagine. where it was going. You know, I mean, yeah. I could see. Like I saw what happened with Karen and I could just see the whole yeah. thing. And, you know, they didn't, you know, people seem now they're like, Oh, you know, you were like Nostradamus. You're so, you know, prescient or, you know, about this thing. And I was like, really, you couldn't yeah. tell that, you know, once everybody got out there and changed hands four times and, yeah. you know, yeah. you're some middle aged yeah. like dude with like a huge salary and, you know, they're just yeah. going to cut you loose. Like, you know, but yeah. anyway. Yeah, I mean that's one of my least favorite apocalypses, Vertigo. You know, like it's just, it's, it's just, oh, it's, it's missed, point, man. Yeah. It's so, so missed. I mean, there's so much of that there. But I mean, I have to, I have to say one thing. That, just want to jump on one thing you said. And this, this isn't this kind of podcast. But oh my god, a Garth Ennis Superman book. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> is that a, were you just saying that or what was that? Well, no, I mean, I, no, I didn't even really talk to Garth about it. I just, you know, we were just, the, the idea was that I feel like every big name person had one story because all we needed mm-hmm. was one story out of everybody. Yeah. I didn't need Grant Morrison to write me three years or something. I just needed one story. And so, you know, we had, at the time I know like Joss Whedon had tried to write Wonder Woman you know, the screenplay and then that mm-hmm. got oh, yeah. bash, you know, so, I mean, I was just putting a, like an all-star list of like hopefuls on this thing and this pitch nice. and it was like, okay, why don't we get Joss Whedon to take his Wonder Woman script and we'll turn it into a, a comic. You know, like that seemed like an obvious one, you know, we're like, okay, Neil could do something with this or, you know, you know, take your pick yeah. of whoever, big yeah, but yeah. you know, Garth for years, like I always heard him in pubs and interviews, whatever saying, you know, up and down how much he hates comics and, and yeah. not, you know, superheroes, how stupid they yeah. are. And he's going to like take the piss with them as much as he can, yeah. which he's, you know, done a great job of, but he did, yeah. he would often add in this typically kind of, you know, Irish kind of like, you know, winking, you know, Oh, but there is a Superman story that I've always thought about, you know? So we were like, all right, just tell him to write a number down on a piece of paper. What's it going to cost you to write the Superman story no, that you never wanted to write, you know? And it was just like, so that was kind of just the idea. It was just like, just wow. aim as high as we can, get everybody to do the one thing they wanted. They don't even tell, you know, it's none of this assigning shit to people. If we if yeah. there's three Superman stories, then great. If there's, there, you yeah. know, I'm not going to somebody and saying, well, we need you to write a, you know, flash kid flash story i mean there's nothing wrong with that but you know what i mean like it's like let them decide what it is let them yeah, decide no bake off. yeah yeah let them decide yeah. what they're most passionate about and the world can handle multiple versions of these characters and the fans can see it and you know and they seem to like the dark stuff and i mean look mm-hmm. how popular these movies are you know that's what we can never figure out it's like you look at what you're letting you do with the movies which you were mm-hmm. saying earlier it's like these are billion dollar properties that you're like allowing them to play in the sandbox with a lot more freedom than they would allow the poor suckers writing the dopey comic books, you know? Yeah. That's what I could, I could never figure that part out. I was like, it's such a low risk, high reward thing, you know, and versus like, and you're, but you're still letting, you know, Chris Nolan, like do all this crazy stuff Mm -hmm. with these properties, but you're not willing to let guys do that with a comic that might sell. 50,000 copies, you know? Yeah. I mean that you've probably spent like, you know, well, a couple hundred thousand dollars on or something, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like walking around money for the, I mean, that's like the craft services budget for like one day on like a film, you know, thing. Yeah. I can, I I don't know. That was the thing we could just never, never made sense to me. Not for vertigo. I mean, vertigo or Karen had a vision and we executed the visions and you know, it, it was great. You know, we were very insulated. I mean, we were like the, you know, we were like the special forces unit, right? I mean, we were on a special, we were on a separate floor from everybody else. We were in this little yeah. corner of the offices. Nobody came to mess with us. Nobody, everybody had to go through Karen. Like it was definitely like, you know, you were this kind of like SEAL team six that just sort of like did all this cool shit, you know, but yeah. I could never figure out why nobody would just let the dudes in the DCU just like take the manacles off these guys and let them, let him go like, for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like do something fun. Like it's supposed to be fun. Like it's supposed to be kind of cool and crazy and, you know, but I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of fear. It was a lot, you know, I mean, still to this day, fear really is like the mind killer, you know, like it's oh, stop just that really... fear getting fired just stops everyone from doing anything. You know, everyone's looking yeah, for right. you know, okay from a, from an, uh, an overset, an overhead, you know, it's disappointing. It's, yeah. At that level, you know, yeah. it's all about the, like, the, the market. 
Like it's yeah. just, you know, yeah, a bad report but, 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 in the market, you know. Yeah, but it's like you're, but you see that the market has an appetite for things that are potentially, you know, I mean, the, the Dark Knight makes a trillion dollars. So clearly there's a market for darker, more substantive versions of these characters, you know, it's it sort of thing. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's it, it starts to be the system just starts to grind. And you don't know, or is the system acquiring people within the system who will fit the system or is the system grinding them down to mm. like the point where their work within the system better, mm. you know, like, and that's mm. kind of the, was the philosophy there for years, I think was mm. like, you just had a lot of people who were kind of protecting their little fiefdoms and they were scared for their jobs and they didn't really mm. want to stick their neck out because they were super fans and this was a dream job. Yeah. So why would they, why would they, you know? And so it's like, are you attracting those kind of people for these jobs or the, is the system turning people otherwise into those and at a certain point it stops mattering because that just is the way it is you know and then it's like and it just becomes this kind of self-regulating thing you know and then it's like you're not looking at other stuff i mean i used to tell people all the time it's like if all you're reading is comics like then i don't really have any interest in talking to you for stuff you know like when people would come and they're always referencing comics or referencing this and i'm like do you do anything else but read comics because I don't, you know, it's fine, whatever, comics are fun, but it's like, if that's not part of your, you know, appetite for mm-hmm. books and movies and, you know, news and nonfiction and all this kind of stuff, like, you're probably not like what we're looking for or I'm looking for in terms yeah. of, you know, I like, I'd much rather take a really interesting, weird, crazy out there person and teach them how to work in comics than take a person who's just completely up to their, you know, eyeballs in comics and then try to get them to like, you know, make it darker, make it sexier, make it naked or whatever it was, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I don't yeah know, but you know, so it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's sad though. You're right. I mean, not seeing the vertigo thing or even getting yeah. the old vertigo books and now they're labeled with black label and stuff. And at least we were naively thinking over the years, like, well, at least there's some value in the vertigo brand itself. Hmm, even absolutely. if we're long, we're long gone, like from a library standpoint, like there's a thing, but now I even see like a lot of the, I do think I, you know, I saw some of those omnibuses of like hundred bullets or scalped and why, and they're like, they say like black label on them and stuff a lot. Yeah. Of it's it's like, okay. Like, yeah, I don't know. that seems, yeah. that seems kind of odd, you know, but yeah. So, Hold on yeah, to those you know. t-shirts, you know, the stock t-shirts. <laughs> Hold on to them. Yeah. Right? Oh my God. The best. That'd be, that'd be your pension. <laughs> the best t- Yeah. The one, the new people came in, they, they, they started handing out all this swag. And they hand yeah. out these black Vertigo T-shirts, and I have to oh, say, as someone who amazing. someone who loves like a good T-shirt with like a firm neck that keeps its shape and stuff nice. like that, it was one of the best T-shirts I've ever had. To the point where, like years later, I went and I said, "Are any of those?" And I don't would ever be the kind of person that would ask for swag or ask for stuff because I just yeah. like, ah, I don't want to be that guy. But yeah, I literally yeah. was like down in like the mailroom asking the dudes, like like I wore that thing until like it just like it melted off me. Like I just was like, <laughs> it was like such a good high quality. Like it fit just right. And it felt so soft, but it kept its shape. And I was just, just like, like vertigo. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it just eventually was gone. And then we just have the memories, you know, but yeah. that's okay. That's all right. I, yeah. I feel very fortunate that I was like, you know, I mean, I just fell into it and just sort of, you know, was lucky to yeah. kind of stay in as long as I could, you know, yeah, it was awesome, man. Awesome. But oh, listen, from you. from uh, from Apocalypse Now to the Apocalypse of a T-shirt, 
Um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on the All That was Sports. great. Yeah, 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 really great chat. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Absolutely. Thank brilliant. you. And Good. look, if people want to want to um, catch up with you on social, where where can they find you? Just in case they don't they don't know, which I'm sure they do. Um, on Instagram, I'm thrillyod at on Instagram, but mostly it's just Warhammer miniatures that I post pictures of. <laughs> but they're my great. Bad, yeah. my bad paint jobs on there, and then uh, but I do you know I'll like cycle a lot of the stuff because I've been lucky to work with Comicsology Originals on a lot of stuff, mostly in image stuff. So. Yeah, sometimes on there. And then I have a website, but there's nothing, it's like not, you know, it just sort of shows what I'm working on and like mm-hmm. that kind of thing cool, and stuff. Cool. It's like, it's ironically bespokecomics.com is like the the URL, you know, but cool. you got to take that with a grain of salt, you know, a little bit. <laughs> but cool. it's, um yeah, man, I, I, I quit Twitter. I got chased off of Twitter in 2016 by Brandon Graham, but that's maybe a story for like another podcast. But and that was awesome. if I ever saw if I ever saw him again, I would shake his hand and say, "Thank you because you saved my life for the last like seven years. <laughs> the last seven yeah. years of my life, I think of what wow. I fill up my brain with, you know." But yeah, yeah, that's a lot of time saved. That's a lot of time saved. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. At the time, it felt very weird, and I was like, felt kind of bad about it. But now I'm mm-hmm. just like. Mm. I, I would like just walk up to that guy and give him a hug if I saw him. I'm like, thank you <laughs> for being such a dick on there. That, like, I had to, I had to quit, but I, I you know, I just was yes. like, it was great. I don't know. Well, you know, but, if we ever run into him, we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll let him know. Yes, please get let him know. He saved me. Like the amount of cool shit I've been able to do in the last seven years because I probably had that part of my brain back is like yeah. can't even measure it. You know. Yeah, you're not stuck on the doom scroll. On, oh on my god, no! And thankfully, my kids. I mean, the good news is, the kids these days, like, they don't care. You know, I mean, they do some of the same dopey stuff, but they're not on Twitter. Thankfully, that's good. You know, they, yeah, why yeah. yeah. wouldn't yeah, they? You know, they're too. Yeah. Most kids are too smart these days. I think that's the yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah they've seen what it's so done I, to all of us. Yeah. I have. Yeah, I learned eventually. I, have, I keep saying to myself, but uh, Jury's pretty much out on that one. I, I got a bit long in the tooth just, now. I'm still it's there. It's just, uh, yeah, but it's just this arbitrage of like, if I'm not there, what is going to happen to my career or my thing? But it's like, I, I just don't think it, I just, I'm not convinced that it's a trigger for people to necessarily you know, go buy your book or go hire you or anything like that to, to offset all of the toxicity. You know what I mean? I think there's mm-hmm. other things that people could be doing other places to get out your message, you know, without having to deal with so much of that toxic shit that goes on there. But, you know, I mean, everybody's got their own, everybody's got their own measure, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So, well, good luck. Cool. Hopefully we can all find a Brandon Graham out there. That's it. And, <laughs> and and a new Vertigo black t shirt. Oh yes. I know. If I ever see so one of those, for the grail. <laughs> right. Cuts for me. Yeah, cut to me on eBay as soon as I get off this call. I'm looking for We'll be bidding uh-huh. against you. I'm looking forward oh, to yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, what, who are these guys running up the score on this black vertigo yeah. t shirt? Yeah. Oh no. And why is the seller called Baron Kerger? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Oh my God. Now I'm gonna now I feel a little blue. I've got the typical like black Irish kind of melancholy. Now I'm gonna like feel sorry for myself thinking about Well there's my probably only t-shirt. one thing left to do then, Will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it starts with a bottle. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, I was gonna say right. It ends with a bottle too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Every good story starts with a bottle and ends with a bottle. So oh, man. Yeah. anyway, well, thanks well, for having me on. I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun just to talk. No right. worries. It was a blunder around. Yeah. We'll get you back on again to do that last uh, that other story in depth. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was a good one. Well, we'll get you back, man. Thanks so much. Anytime, man. Yeah, I'm sorry it took a little while to get on, but I appreciate you guys being patient with me. That's cool. No worries That's at all. Good. It was well worth it. Thanks for joining us on the Odds Pod. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Look out for the odds coming soon from Scout Comics. And please tell us what your favorite apocalypse is. You can find me on Twitter at Benessy. That's B-E-N-N-E-S-S-Y. And me on at Dave Hendrick. Big thanks to our producer, Adrian Carty, and we'll see you at the end of the world.